Hey guys, welcome to Lords of Order, a DC's Doctor Fate fan podcast. I am your host, Ed Moore, and keep in mind that there will be spoilers. Well, there's spoilers every episode, but this maintained that pattern. Teal Productions at Twitter, Lords of Order has a Facebook page, the Dr. Fate Fan Podcast at gmail.com and bigtimenoise.com slash Dr. Fate. The website are all places that you can feedback me if you choose to. Probably the quickest response will be Teal Productions on Twitter. I pretty much keep Twitter hooked up uh, on my phone, so anytime I get added, I uh, know about it and I can respond. Justice League of America... The 1960 volume, issue 21, cover dated August 1963, is the book that I am sitting here looking at. The cover, um, the top third or maybe top 20% or so of the cover is the big Justice League of America placard, red placard, Justice Blue League White America Blue logo, uh, uh, color letters. We have an image um, the bottom portion of the image is the Justice League of America uh, s- holding a seance. There is a fog, a mist rising up from the crystal ball that they have in the middle of the table. And as the mist coalesces above them, it forms a kind of a ringish platform upon which are the JSA members. We're told, back after 12 years, the legendary superstars of the Justice Society of America, featuring Crisis on Earth 1. That is the title of the story. The JSA members are Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Black Canary, Golden Age, Green Lantern, Our Man, and Golden Age, Adam. Uh, Alan Scott is Green Lantern. Al Pratt is the Adam. The Justice League members are Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, the modern age Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, Aquaman, Green Arrow, Superman, Batman, and Adam again, only that is Ray Palmer, Adam. So as the story opens, uh, we once again have this image of the two team. However, here the um, order is reversed in a cloudiness above the JSA are the JLA picture. We do have a banner going top to bottom on the left-hand side and then left to right at the bottom. The vertical banner has the roll call of the Justice League. Adam, Aquaman, Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, John, Johns, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Representing the Justice League of America, the banner across the bottom. Adam, Black Canary, Dr. Fate, Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, and Our Man. The story opens at a meeting with the JLA, chaired by Batman. He's telling his compatriots that Kronos, Felix Faust, and Dr. Alchemy have challenged the JLA to a catch-me-if-you-can, telling them where they're going to be, what they're going to steal, and challenging the JLA to stop. The JLA quickly... Uh, upon learning who the individuals are that they will be facing, break up into teams. We have Adam, Aquaman, and Martian Manhunter, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and Batman, Superman, and Green Arrow dividing into teams. They run off. We have next the JSA, who we're told are meeting together uh, for the first time again uh, after 12 years, and as issues are... um, as We understand it. The Flash Volume 1, Issue 123, and Flash Volume 1, Issue, I believe it was 137, are the two issues responsible. One, for us basically being able to see both the JLA and the JSA in one book, although they haven't seen each other quite yet. And the fact that the JLA 
SA is even available, having been freed from uh, some issues that Vandal Savage put the JSA into that put them into some sort of limbo or something like that. Um, I neglected to read either of those beforehand, which I wanted to, uh, so that was a mistake on my part. But actually, as soon as I finish recording this, I will probably sit down and read both of those just to catch up on what exactly has occurred. Um, We're introduced to the JSA members that we'll be seeing. We find out that there are more members, but that they're going to be rotating in and out. Um, Starman, Sandman, Dr. Midnight, and Wonder Woman, a different Wonder Woman, of course, are named, uh, and others, it says, as far as members of the JSA that are not present for this particular mission or these sets of missions that will come off of this first meeting, re-meeting that we're having. Now, interestingly enough, if we are to believe the modern retcon, this is probably occurring after the formation of the All-Star Squadron, which means that the All-Star Squadron members, I believe, were also members of the Justice Society or perhaps slash Justice Battalion, as they were called in World War II. There's a big mishmash of characters there. Perhaps the Justice Society's name was retired and everyone became members of the All-Star Squadron. But I I know in that book, a lot of the characters of the JSA plus more were all in and out of issues of the All-Star Squadron. So the JSA, um, they are also made aware of a challenge from a trio of bad guys. Uh, Going back here, I neglected to mention that Kronos, Felix Faust, and Dr. Alchemy were the three bad guys that challenged the Justice League. And the Fiddler, the Wizard, and the Icicle were the three bad guys that challenged the JSA, much in the same way that the JLA was challenged. So we have a trio of bad guys that have challenged the JLA to a catch-me-if-you-can scenario and three bad guys that have challenged the JSA to a similar catch-me-if-you-can challenge. Both groups of superheroes have broken into three teams, and those teams have gone to attempt to stop the bad guys that are on their Earth. Now, because of Flash 123, we, the reader, are aware of these two separate Earths. At this point, I believe only the two Flashes are aware of the other Earths, because the two Flashes are who has met. This is the first meeting. Um, I'm, I'm almost, I'm, I'm 100% certain, actually, now that I think about it. This is the first meeting of the JSA and the JLA, and it it is able to transpire because of what happened in the, I believe it was called The Flash of Two Worlds, which is that story from the now, I suppose, historic Flash 123 that actually allowed the meeting of these two Earths uh, that will be the, the fact that they both know of each other will be used ad nauseum by creators in DC moving forward from this point, which was 1963. So first up is Felix Faust. He is a magician. Um, I believe he is an older, older magician, like almost immortal. He's been around a very long time. And um, as, as I say things, um, those that are familiar with the podcast know that I do this in a very stream of consciousness manner. I don't necessarily sit down and research absolutely everything. So there are going to be holes, particularly when it comes to DC Comics, in my knowledge that is easily filled uh, by those with greater knowledge, which I'm sure there are many, many. So by all means, if you want to greater knowledge me, uh, get in contact. Let me know what I forgot, what I aired, messed up 
whatever. And the next time I sit down to record, I'll make the changes and, and credit you as, as my teacher, my sensei. So, uh, Felix Faust is attempting to steal some treasure in a sunken luxury liner. And of course, one of the heroes that goes after him is Aquaman. Uh, the other being Martian Manhunter. Faust easily subdues the two of them, but also as part of this particular team is the Atom. This is the JLA world, so this Atom is scientist Ray Palmer. He helps revive Martian Manhunter after Felix Faust knocks him out. The Atom then decides that he can go after Felix Faust, but Faust disappears, leaving the now-revived Aquaman and Martian Manhunter, along with the Atom, at a loss because, I mean, they know that Felix Faust is a mage, a wizard, a magician, whichever word you want to use. But, you know, just disappearing in the middle of things is not really the way he does stuff. So they're they're a little confused. Next up, we have Dr. Alchemy, who is the wielder of the Philosopher's Stone, which I believe basically can transmute matter from one thing to another. So uh, as, a, as a for instance, he is knocking over a, an armored truck and he changes the tires made of rubber uh, to changes them to rock, which causes the truck to quickly come to a halt, throwing out all of the guard uh, through the doors, the back door and the side door. I would think that perhaps they would have been thrown through the windshield, but that's probably too graphic a thing for comic books in 1963. Of course, nowadays we would have seen that and somebody beheaded and falling under the truck as it rolled over them and all that kind of stuff, more or less, even depending on which comic book company you're seeing this at. So Dr. Alchemy um, does that to the tires, and then he gives changes the fenders of the truck into both landing gear and jet-equipped airplane wings. So apparently he cannot just transmute. Uh, apparently he can create as well, because there's no amount of changing the fenders from the metal that they are into something else that would equal the ability to form them into wings and all that kind of stuff. So. Apparently, the Philosopher's Stone just gives him the ability to manipulate matter, period. The team facing him is the Flash, Superman, and Green Arrow flying in his Aerojet, which looks just black and white checked. It's got a very interesting look to it, I thought, like it's maybe camouflaged or stealthed or something like that. The Flash quickly disappears as he is heading toward Dr. Alchemy. He just kind of vibrates out of the picture. Superman gets within range, but is waylaid by both a kryptonite telephone pole and a kryptonite fire hydrant. He, he can't get far enough away from either, and he succumbs to the kryptonite radiation. Next up is Green Arrow, who charges at Dr. Alchemy, but is held fast by the tarmac of the of the street that is turned into glue, and then he does manage to fire arrows, but those are turned into harmless weed, according to Dr. Alchemy. In the picture, it looks more like they're turned into tree tree branches without leaves, but I guess those can be weeds. Um, who am I to argue? Um, magic, right? So, Dr. Alchemy gets away. Um, the Green Arrow, not the Green Arrow, excuse me, but Green Arrow, uh, decides that he can help Superman by firing some lead paint equipped arrows at the fire hydrant closest to Superman, covering up the radiation and being lead paint, uh, lead, lead based, the radiation cannot penetrate. So basically he cuts off the radiation from affecting Superman, who quickly regains his strength and then pulls Green Arrow out of the glue in which he's stuck. Now they manage to do this quickly enough that they can get out after Dr. Alchemy as he is flying away, but to their chagrin, 
the entire plane just up and disappears. Next up, we are on a floating hourglass uh, bottom or top of an hourglass. I can't really tell which it is, but it is Kronos who is robbing a bank. And he is throwing containers of concentrated time uh, that acts as a corrosive, thus eating through the wall of the bank through the vault into, so giving him access into the vault. Now here, coming after him, are Wonder Woman, Batman, and Green Lantern. Wonder Woman attempts to lasso Kronos, but to no no avail. Batman is next, but his rope that he is swinging in on is cut by Kronos, and the final attempt, this round at least, is made by Green Lantern, who is waylaid by a release of golden time clouds or golden time sand or something like that, but it's a it's a yellowish cloud that encompasses Green Lantern. Green Lantern's weakness is the color yellow, so in that he is surrounded, he's not able to do anything with his um, energy manipulation via his power ring. So he starts to fall. Batman, Batman said that weird, Batman is already plummeting from where his swinging rope that he was on was cut. So the only remaining Savior is Wonder Woman, who is flying around on the wing of her invisible jet. She lassos Green Lantern, pulling him from the Golden Cloud, giving him back access to his Green Lantern power, his power ring, who then uses his power ring to catch Bat. So Wonder Woman helps in saving all three. All three recovered. They turn their attention back to Kronos, who also disappears in kind of a misty, kind of fading away kind of. So just to uh, ch check the count here. All three bad guys were able to pull off the crime that they said they would, and all three bad guys managed to get away completely unscathed. Now, we see that they went to what the narrator tells us is the rim of twin Earths in a great sphere of vibratory energy. The arch criminals come face to face with another trio of crime champions. So the three, or the six, uh, evildoers, the two groups of three, each group of three from one of the two Earths that we're talking about have already met, have already planned all this out. So uh, hopefully here in the next several panels, we're going to find out how that happened. We are first told of the three bad guys that go up against the JSA, since we haven't seen it directly. Uh, the first is the wizard who defeat the Golden Age Green Arrow, uh, excuse me, Golden Age Green Lantern and Black Canary. We then see the Fiddler who defeats Hawkman, the Golden Age Flash, and the Golden Age Atom. And then the Icicle who defeat Our Man and Dr. Fate. And it's interesting, over the course of reading about Dr. Fate, I, I think maybe he has teamed up for whatever reason with Our Man more than just about any other hero, um, except maybe Batman or Superman, since they had actual team-up books later on uh, that they were able to do that. But it seems that Our Man and Dr. Fate both have this penchant for wanting to work together. So, um, after being caught up on the JSA worlds, which I believe is Earth 2, the Earth 2 bad guys and what they have done, we then get the story of how they met. So, they escaped prison. Um, apparently, they were all in prison together at the same time, at the same place, oddly enough. In doing so, they were able to cross dimensions because of the fiddler and his special fiddle, and arrived at a stage in Central City on Earth-1. Now, this stage is the same stage from which the Flash of Earth-1 disappeared in his initial trip, Flash-123, to Earth-2. So that makes me think that 
whatever else is going on, the area of this stage must be a weak point in the wall between the dimension. And I, I would suggest that that's probably what they're playing on, since we don't know where on Earth 2 these three bad guys disappeared from, but they came through this weak spot to this same point on Earth 1 that Flash had used. So... Um, I don't believe I mentioned this, but this book is divided into chapters. Um, we've just finished chapter two, and, and this is the start of chapter three. Our six bad guys are making plans to defeat, finally, the heroes of the JLA and the JS in the midst of their plans because they could foil the plans. And that way we know ultimately what's going to happen in the story. We find out what is going on with the flashes of Earth 1 and Earth 2. Both of them, when they went out to battle their bad guys, uh, there, were, there were particular traps set up to entrap each of them individually, and bring them to this quasi-dimensional, interdimensional uh, space that the six evildoers have, have established. So the two flashes are there, both held separately in bubbles of vibratory energy that don't allow them to leave those bubbles. So they, they can't escape the bubbles, they can't escape this interdimensional place to go to their correct dimensions, Earth 1 and Earth 2, to warn the heroes about anything or to do anything or to travel you know they can't do any they can't help in any way so we we listen in to the plans and actually the plans are pretty good uh, since all six got away with their robberies they all six have money um, they all six decide that they want to spend the money but they can't do it on their earth because even not in their criminal guys and just their regular shlomo guys they will be wrecked so they decide that they're going to go to each other's Earths and spend the money. So that means Kronos, Felix Faust, and Dr. Alchemy will go to Earth 1, and the Fiddler, Wizard, wait a minute, I'm sorry, Kronos, Felix Faust, and Dr. Alchemy will go to Earth 2, and the Fiddler, Wizard, and Icicle will come to Earth 1. And I believe um, also, well... I won't even say that because I don't know that for sure. Going back to the story. So we now have, we are following the Fiddler, Wizard, and Icicle as they're running around guiseless, let's say. We're following them, but we see that they have chosen to, that, um, okay, let me get this in my mind here again, I'm sorry. Okay, yes, Fiddler, Wizard, and Icicle are on Earth-1, but the JLA is contacted by Felix Faust, who is an Earth-1 bad guy, but he is on Earth-2. So the bad guys are on the alternate Earth, but part of their plan is to get in contact with their real Earth's good guys to try to lure them into a trap. So that means that Kronos, Faust, and Dr. Alchemy are on the JSA world, but they're contacting the JLA to get the JLA to do something to Fiddler, Wizard, and Icicle to capture them. So they're kind of telling on each other to set the trap. Both groups of bad guys, or of good guys, go after the bad guys that they have been um, told are on their planet. Now, they, they, the JSA and the JLA still aren't aware of all this planet dimensional shifting, which I am doing a very bad job of keeping track of, but I'm trying, honest. So now we see that the Earth-1, the Earth-2 bad guys that are on Earth-1 are dressed as their Earth-1 counterparts. So the JLA believes that they're going up against 
Kronos, Felix Faust, and Dr. Alchemy, because that's how they're dressed. But actually, they're going up against Fiddler, Wizard, and Icicle. So they don't know, the, the JLA doesn't know the powers of these people they're going up against. Plus, because of the way they're dressed, they believe they're going up against people whom they do know. They subsequently lose badly. Um, the JSA likewise loses badly. But the JLA decides that, well, you know, we keep being contacted through this crystal ball that was given to us by Felix Faust um, early on, actually the second issue of Justice League of America as a souvenir. And they've had it there in their souvenir. I think on and off throughout the years, you can still see it as it's drawn by different creators. So they realize that this is a communication device. So whatever's going on, since we tried to capture Felix and the person that messed with us was not Felix, but we do know that Felix got in touch with us because we recognized his voice. If we use this crystal that Felix talked to us with, we will at least be able to go to wherever he was when he sent that message. So the JLA holds a seance. Um, there there are no magic people in on Earth-1 like Zatanna comes to mind. I don't know. You know, there's got to be some other magic people, not John Constantine, uh, that could help them do that. But anyways, they're going to sit here and they're going to have a seance. So they, they seance their way through the uh, communication, the, the crystal ball that they have. On the way, the flash of Earth-1 is able to get a message to them. And as they're traveling, coming through from Earth-1 to Earth-2, this is the JLA, they get this message from Barry, but also the JSA gets the message from Barry as they see the JLA coming through the crystal ball. So all of this is happening simultaneously. The JLA is traveling to Earth-2. Barry is telling everybody what is going on. So now we have the first official meeting as we see the handshakes and the uh, damn glad to meet you's and all this stuff between the JLA and the JSA. Um, oddly enough, the only possible pairing of the same people are the Green Lanterns, and they are paired up amongst all the people that are saying howdy here. Well, no, the flashes do, or the atoms do the same thing. I'm sorry, here, front and center. So the two green lanterns meet each other and the two atoms meet each other and everybody else just co-mingles. Being completely caught up on what's going on, realizing that they're the bad guys that they're familiar with are on the alternate Earth. The JLA stays on Earth 2 to capture their bad guys. The JSA travels through the crystal, since the JLA just proved it's possible, to Earth 1 to go up against their bad guys. The two Green Lanterns journey into this, this in-between part where the bad guys have been headquartering to find and rescue the two flashes. And so by the end of this story, that's where our two groups are. The JLA is on Earth 2, the JSA Earth 1. The two flashes are being held in, you know, some sort of interdimensional limbo, and the two green lanterns are in that same interdimensional limbo looking for the flashes. Definitely not the end, the narrator tells us, the startling, stupendous climax of this story in which the superheroes of the Justice League team up with their alter egos, the Justice Society, will appear in the next issue. And some ads and letter page, and that finishes up this book. So, uh, first, let me apologize. I don't think I did a very good job of keeping track of Earth-1 and Earth-2 and who and where and when. Um, now, in retrospect, I guess I should have done like some sort of Venn diagram with where everybody is with arrows and blocks and, you know, all of this team building kind of representation stuff to, to keep track. Uh, needless to say, in our story, Earth-1 and Earth-2, villains from Earth-1, 
go to Earth 2 to hide. Villains from Earth 2 go to Earth 1 to hide. The JLA and the JSA discover that they can travel. This is the first time they've ever learned this. So the JLA goes to Earth 2 to hunt their world's bad guys. The JSA come to Earth 1 to hunt their world's bad guys. And that is where we are um, so far. The next issue, issue 22, uh, is the second part of this story. So that will be the next book that I talk about. Justice League of America, the 1960 volume, issue 22, cover dated October 1963. After I have a chance to uh, figure out who is where and draw pictures, read the book, I will be back here telling you about what Dr. Fate is up to. Talk to you guys next time. Ciao.